Hi, this is Dr. Kimberly Leonard. You're listening to Incredible Life Creator Podcast. I have two guests today, Mark Victor Hansen and his wife, Crystal Dwyer Hansen. Welcome to the podcast. We're honored thank to be here. You. Thank you. Yes, thank you. And so both of you have quite wonderful uh, resumes here. So I'm just going to read your bio so people know who you are. I know a lot of people do know who you are, but some people might not. So let's just uh, introduce you. Yes. Um, Mark Victor Hansen is probably best known as the co-author for the Chicken Soup for the Soul book series and brand, setting world records in book sales with over 500 million books sold. He is also a prolific writer with 307 books authored or co-authored, including The Aladdin Factor, The Power of Focus, The Richest Kids in America, The Miracles in You, You Have a Book in You, and The One Minute Millionaire Series. Mark also worked his way into a worldwide spotlight as a sought-after keynote speaker and entrepreneurial marketing maven. He is a charismatic speaker, having spoken to 7,000 audiences in 78 countries. And I will agree with that. You are very charismatic, and I love listening to you. Oh, bless your heart. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, let me introduce Crystal. Crystal Dwyer Hansen is a business strategist and successful entrepreneur speaker and author in the U.S. and China. Crystal, also known as a celebrity coach, is a certified life coach and wellness nutrition expert whose personal coaching, speaking, CD and video programs, books and articles have helped people all over the world. Crystal is a member of the International Coaching Federation and the founder of Crystal Vision Life LTD. CrystalVisionLife.com is her website and Skinny Life, a wellness company, SkinnyLife.com is the website. Crystal is also the author of Skinny Life, The Real Secret to Being Physically, Emotionally, and Spiritually Fit. And together, Mark and Crystal are heavily engaged invest, and invested in clean, renewable energy through ownership in two companies, Metamorphosis Energy and Natural Power Concepts, based in Hawaii. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so um, let's just start out by letting people kind of know where you where you started where you grew up um you know so many times we look at people and say oh look at them they've accomplished all this and it just like it doesn't happen overnight but people look at you and think oh they're just you know they're just lucky or that just happened but right. we all know it's hard work and it's a journey so um crystal why don't we start out with you tell us where you grew up and how you got to be where you are today well, I know it's such a, that's a lot of territory to cover, but yeah, I grew up in Idaho. I was um, one of nine children and I, it was really interesting. My mother was way ahead of her time in, in wellness and fit and health and fitness. So, um, interesting, quick a story when she was pregnant with me, she had a grand mal seizure and, um, it was very scary. My dad didn't know what to do. She was sent to the, to the neurologist. It was in the middle of the night and he just heard like kind of humming and he, felt her body and it went stiff and uh, sent her the next day or as soon as she could, into, could, could get into the neurologist in the next town over. And he basically told her, um, I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't know why you had this seizure, but take these pills for two years and come back and see me. And you know, she was pregnant with me at the time. So my grandmother said, don't you dare take those pills. I have this naturopathic doctor. I want you to go see the next mm -hmm. town north of my grandmother. So my mother did that and I was born strong and healthy. And, um, you know, so fast forward, I was eight years old taking ballet lessons and 
my dance teacher had a boy who was my age and he got off the bus and, and she said, this is my son. He's, he's eight years old like you. And he couldn't talk. And I was so puzzled by that. Why, why can an eight year old not talk? Well, I talked to my mother about it when I got home and she said, you know, Miss Gossman was also in the same neurologist's office when I was there. We both had grand mal seizures, were pregnant at the same time together, had grand mal seizures. I decided to take, not take the medicine. She took it. And I'm wondering if that medication, you know, had an, a negative impact on her son. So I was really, I was, I was too little to fully understand it at that time. But as I grew, you know, my mother was very dedicated to natural health. We grew big organic gardens and that we all had to work in. And um, we did juice cleanses before it was chic. And so I'm just really thankful to her for that sort of legacy of health and wellness and really being aware of um, aware of your health and what's good for your body and being able to take that into your own hands and kind of question like she did, maybe you don't want to get a second opinion, you know, when a doctor tells you something. But so um, I went on to, um, you know, I had a career in real estate and then sort of transitioned through a difficult experience I had. I, I uh, transitioned into uh, doing the work I do now. I went into coaching and um, I'm a clinical hypnotherapist, transformational life coach, and all of the above today. So I love what I do. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. All right. Well, Mark, why don't you tell us about you? I was born in a little city called Waukegan, Illinois, mm -hmm. uh, north of Chicago. Great, loving parents. I've got uh, three brothers, so there are four boys and dad that's a lot of testosterone. <laughs> and, uh, my poor mother. Uh, dad and mom taught good work ethic, so I'm nine years old and I'm desperate uh, to buy a racing bicycle. I mean, I want it with my heart, my soul, my mind. I have a little picture next to the bed, ride a wheel on Sheffield Steel. And I didn't get that my dad, who's a blue-collar immigrant, Danish baker, a good one, but don't make any money as a baker. And um, <clears throat> he couldn't afford the bicycle I wanted. And today's dollar, if you look at a Trek bike, they're about $7,000. So he was convinced uh, he couldn't afford it. And... Um, so I beat him up. He said 21. I got him down to 16. And because he taught us free enterprise, which I love and cherish and, and deeply, profoundly thankful it's worked for me. Uh, I said, Dad, can I have it if I earn it myself? Never thinking I could pull that off. Well, I'm reading a Boy Scout Life magazine and said, you can sell greeting cards on consignment. I thought, wow, what a cool idea. I don't have to pay for it. All I got to do is go to the neighbor. So Pretend you're back in the deep snow of, of Illinois in November. I would ring your doorbell and I would say, I'm your next door neighbor and I'm earning my own bicycle. Would you like to invest in one box of Christmas cards or two? What would you say? Oh, definitely two. You know? and, and God bless all those women back then because most <laughs> of us, I was a little frozen looking little kid. I sold 376 box of Christmas cards in one month. I became the number one greeting card salesman. And, and quite honestly, I've never stopped selling and now sold, as you said, a half billion plus books. And now we've written this book called Ask the Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny. And what we discovered is that everyone needs to become a master at asking. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And actually, I had pulled up a picture that I can pull up on my screen later so people can actually. Oh, good, <laughs> so, um, so then. Where do your stories go together? So talking about ask, who asked who to get married? 
Well, not only did I ask, but I asked every day. And what did you say? He asked a lot of times. In fact, um, well, how we met, I'll just back up a little bit how he and I met because I had a, a robust practice, a life coaching practice in Scottsdale. I was recently divorced. He'd been divorced for three years. And my mother came to me one day and said, I got this email. I had started writing my first book, Pure Thoughts for Pure Results. Mm-hmm. And she said, I got this email. There's this great event happening in, in, I was living in Scottsdale. She said, great event happening in LA. You need to go. There'll be publishers and publicists and speaking coaches and Mark Victor Hansen will be there. <laughs> and I was like, well, when is it mom? And she said, it's the day after tomorrow. And I go, oh, it's going to be sold out. I can't go to that. And, you know, mm-hmm. and she's like, no, just call, just call. So I'm like, okay, just for my mom's sake, I'll call. They'll tell me it's sold out and she'll quit bugging me about it. Cause I thought it's too soon because I have the kids. And, and she said, and sure enough, I called and Rick Frischman, the promoter called me back within five minutes himself. You wouldn't expect a promoter to call you back himself, but he said, Crystal, no, we are absolutely not sold out. We would love to have you. Um, yes. So I, a day and a half later, I, you know, my mom said, I'll watch the kids. You go. I was in LA and, um, at this talk and Mark was a keynote and, um, at uh, one of the, one of the speeches. So he, we, I went to the VIP after, which was where he was, the VIP session. I was talking to a speaking coach and Mark was surrounded by a little entourage of people. And, um, the woman next to me was talking with her hands a lot and splashed. She knocked over a, an entire glass of red wine on my white pants. Oh. And so I just was like, Oh, and Mark must have been looking my way because he dashed over to me, grabbed my hand and said, Oh, I think I know where the club soda is. Let me help you. And he kind of pulled me out of the room and said, oh, you know, tell me your name. Tell me how you do. We found the club soda. Mm-hmm. And after we talked for a bit, he said, you know, there's just something about you. I think you could really impact the world and make a huge difference, especially, you know, being in leadership for women. Mm-hmm. I'd love to talk more and hear more about your practice and everything you're doing. Cause I was having amazing results with my clients and that's why I wrote the book. It was just so fantastic. They were overcoming things in record time with, you know, to have, after having depression their entire lives, mm-hmm. five sessions, they were depression free. So I wanted to talk about it. And, um, so we had the most magnificent dinner and started, dating shortly after and just kept dating and kept dating can i do just one part uh, yeah so we get to the hotel and remember we're teaching asking and we get to the hotel and it's a great hollywood hotel all the people are in line so a hundred dollar bill will not get you in so i look at this guy and the guy sees her and her radiance and says uh-huh. okay i give up who is she <laughs> and i'm a salesman you always answer a question with a question. <laughs> I said, you don't recognize her? Now he's befuddled. Now the guy goes, oh boy. Uh, uh, I said, she's the queen of Denmark. He immediately says, no, she's not. Says, she is. So he says, and who are you? So back to question, because we're teaching asking. I said, who travels with the queen? He says, oh my God, you're the king. Hold on one second. And that fast, we had a table. <laughs> amazing it was so funny such a funny experience and i'm like what just happened there i'm like too late to uh tell him it was a joke uh-huh. <laughs> i, I mean we're both of danish descent this. so it sort of worked yeah uh-huh. oh that is so funny and so wonderful and you know i noticed that both of you really are great at telling stories and um i had met you a few years ago at sharon um sharon's uh lectures Think and Grow Rich book launch for women, Think and Grow Rich for women. And I noticed that there was so much synergy between the two of you. 
<laughs> so we're told, we're told more often than not we, that we're a formidable couple. Now, I don't know what that means, of course, but <laughs> it, it seems to work for us. We are, you know, when I was single and I'd gone through a pretty painful divorce, so I had wrote down, and I know this is going to be unbelievable, but we put it in the 20th anniversary of Chicken Soup, so you can go back and look. But right. I wrote down 267 things I needed in my ideal woman. You know, when you're a young, impressionable kid, women, I went in tall, dark, and handsome. Yes. And that's not what you want. And then men, I, she's got to be a bombshell or whatever, right? Not me. I wanted somebody with the same values I had. I wanted somebody that's going to be magnanimous. 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 <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted somebody that had her own business. I wanted somebody that was successful. And because probably both of us had kids, I, we, our kids had to get along, and we, she had to be loving travel. Now, obviously, we're temporarily sequestered, all of us, 8 billion of us. But um, other than that, we love to travel, and we do a really good job. I've been, I've been in over 80 countries, so it's good. That is wonderful. And when you get to travel and go to these countries, I know you're either speaking or teaching or, um, you know, talking about your books. Um, but when you're there and you're not speaking and teaching, what are your favorite things to do? Oh my gosh, we love to see the cultures of other countries. And we've been fortunate enough, you know, right now the relationship with China is really shaky and the United States, they've done some things that are questionable. And, and so it's really too bad because we, we've spent a lot of time in China and we both absolutely love it. We love the people, mm -hmm. you know, the government, not so much, but the people are really good. <laughs> and there's, it's just a beautiful cult culture. I mean, there's so much history. It's such an old culture. And so just the buildings and the art and the, you know, you could tour so many places um, there and, and never see everything. But um, that's what we love to do. We love to connect with whatever culture, whether we're in Portugal or Spain or, you know, Mallorca, we, we like to get into the local culture. We try to stay in unique places and um, just really sort of eat that up. We love food. We, we're very adventurous with food and all of that. Kind of stuff. So we try to push the edge of the envelope because, you know, like we teach and ask, it's a bridge for your dreams, your destiny. We said success is a fulfillment of your destiny. Well, part of our destiny is to have adventure and excitement and never be bored. So like we've been to Vietnam paid twice in the last two years. And, and I don't think that's going to happen again real soon, but, when we got there, we said, what would be the coolest thing to do? And they gave us an escort or a, an attache or somebody that's really connected. Yeah. And this guy took us out to feed the alligators. Now, I've never done that, never seen that. <laughs> I've been on water boats down in the Everglades. And, and you've got alligators I just read today in Georgia. So uh -huh. you really got them in because Georgia's so big. But it was amazing that we got to see and do that kind of stuff that most people never get to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I think it's important that you do something different or unique every day because life can get boring very, very quickly if you don't do that, if you're just doing the same thing. That's right. And if you really, you know, look around a little bit and are curious about life, and we talk about this in the Ask book, I mean, part of it is really rekindling your curiosity about life because I talk about this, there's a section in the book called um, the seven roadblocks to asking because so many people are afraid to ask or they just don't ask for enough in life. They're, they're afraid or they're just unaware. And one of those roadblocks is actually naivete. And I talk about that's just not being aware of what's available for you. 
to enjoy in this life. So you don't ask for it because you're just naive to it. And that's, you know, I, I tell the story about um, when my children were little, we had this lovely Filipina woman working for us and she just adored my kids. We loved her so much. We just had this amazing relationship. So she'd come every day and she would often fix us these wonderful dishes from her home country. We all loved it. And one morning she shows up um, with this fruit and she cuts it up and lays it out all on a plate really nicely. It's this shiny, juicy, you know, orange fruit. And I was like, she said, taste this. Crystal and I said, what? this is amazing. This is the best tasting fruit I've ever had. What is it? She said, it's a mango. And I said, a mango? This is a mango? How come I've never had a mango before? This is so good. And I considered myself to be really worldly, but I'd never tasted a mango. And um, I thought, so I said, Melda, where do you get these? I thought, did you import them from Philippines? She goes, at the grocery store. <laughs> I've been walking past the mangoes all this time. And so that's part of the ask journey. You know, what else have I been walking past that I haven't noticed just because I'm naive that it's there for me? You know, what, what people do pass by and never bother to be curious about them or ask about them? What opportunities are you passing by? Not even curious about what might be there for you potentially if you notice it, if you dig a little deeper, if you ask more questions about it. So naivete is one of the roadblocks um, that we talk about in the book. It kind of goes to what you're saying about, you know, life is this great adventure if you allow it to be. Yeah, it really can be. And I was just curious, after 300 books, what inspired you to write this book? Well, because we travel so much and meet so many magnificent people, people with talent, totally likable, brilliant beyond being brilliant, but some of them don't quite make it to what we, we thought, wow, that person has so much going, but they don't know it. And so we said, well, what is the difference between those who do and those who don't? And what we discovered, it's one thing and one thing only, and that's ask. Everybody knows the line in the Bible, ask and you shall receive. But no one until we came along, as far as we can tell, ever wrote a book that codifies the science and the finesse and the art of, of fine asking so you get all the good that you desire. And then we did the in-depth research. We wrote everything we knew. And then we said, well, wait a second, maybe is there anything more? We'll interview 26 superstar askers. And it was amazing. They all had the cornucopia of their life all opened up like a, an ever flowering lotus for one reason only. They all are masters at asking. So we're trying to create, like I said a second ago, master askers, and we're giving everyone the challenge. Look, if you can get a copy of the book, go to the library if you want, but get it on Amazon if you buy it. Send a receipt to reception at markvictoransa.com, and we're going to invite everyone to the a book club because we want to we want to support people you know who get the book. We really want to help people become master askers because it does make such a life changing difference. So um, if you buy the book, put your go to reception markvictoransa.com and send us the receipt. We'll send you an invitation to the book club discussion, which will be a big open chat room. So it'll be really fun to do that. But um, you know, we found with the ask, when we started putting the ask book together, there are actually three channels through which you need to learn to ask. And that is ask yourself, mm -hmm. ask others and ask God. We found that each of those is equally important. And those people who have successful asking journeys tend to utilize all three of those asking channels again and again and again. Yeah, one thing that I actually learned from my ex-husband, he always <laughs> used to say, 
You know, it never hurts to ask. And I started thinking about that and it's like, well, the door can be closed or someone can say no, but what is so scary about asking? Why are we so afraid to open our mouths and ask? Well, it starts, I think, when you're a little kid and, and little kids get squished when they're asking because they're, the little kid goes, why, 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 mommy, why, daddy? And, and they say, would you quit asking? And then more, you go more, to more. school and, and unless you got really uh, evolved teachers and, and we got of our five kids and, and six grandkids, we've got a really evolved teacher. But when my little kids were going to uh, elementary school, I sat in, in six kindergartens and I found one teacher that just had it together. I mean, she just, her life clicked. She sang to the kids in English and Spanish, Mrs. Fellows, became a great lifelong friend. And, and what happens is if you can get the kids started where they're allowed to ask and allowed to bloom and not to, you just do your studies. You just, you just read that book. You just regurgitate this stuff. Then your whole life's that way. And luckily, I'll just do my own kindergarten story. I fell in love with my kindergarten teacher. I mean, she was a, a woman of great substance, shall we say. But every day, she made chocolate chip cookies and milk for all the kids. And I'm still friends with a guy that was my best friend. And he was in my rock group when I had a rock group. And, and she, I one day was so in love with her, I asked her to marry me. And I said, Miss Sneesby, when I get older, I'm going to marry you. She said, Marky, that's real nice. But I'm happily married. <laughs> I, said, I said, he'll die. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, he, no. I've heard in his asking. He's been a very bold asker for most of his life. I'm glad she didn't marry me when I was five. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a good thing. <laughs> that is so funny. So I want to uh, share my screen for a minute and pull up. The picture of your book let's see share all right can you guys see that up there oh it's beautiful yeah. yes 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 so yeah i want everyone to be able to see it really well what do you think of that cover well that's what i wanted to have a discussion about so i'm an artist i love art but i look at this cover first of all the colors are so magical it's almost like a little child's dream with the pinks and the purples and the yellows and the and the way they had mixed the yellow and the white to make it look reflective and then i see the title ask the bridge from your dreams to your destiny i'm thinking is this a magical bridge is it made out of gold is it glittery and shining and i was looking at the picture and i'm thinking now is that a ferris wheel or is that a bridge with a what is that we're, we're saying it's a continuum because, I'm sorry, a circle, because most people think life's a continuum, it's 180 degrees. We think it's 360 and that you've got to create a value uh, chain that goes all the way around. And the best quick example I can give, because you're an artist, we interviewed our great friend Wyland. I suspect you know the world's greatest uh, marine artist. We're on a board of directors of the Wyland and he wants to save the oceans and he is perpetually, he is the most profitable commercial artists in the world. You may like fine art. I don't, you'll tell us in a second what you love, but Wyland is this guy who's done the Wailing Walls 101 and now he's doing the deep sea sculptures. And, but with him, cause we're on the board, we were in China and we did 10 miles of Great Wall of China. And I said, when we were sculpting idea, I said, let's have three kids paint with you. Why? From uh, Afghanistan to Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe. And uh, I didn't mean to get in front of my wife's face here. And, and it's so exciting that we did it. And we ended up bringing those canvases because they had to cover the wall back to the United States. And they toured America. I mean, Wyland has this prodigious ability to ask and ask and ask. 
when he was a kid, he was born with club feet, right? And luckily he asked his mom, because he had five brothers and, and his mom had no husband, said, isn't there something we can do? And she went down to the March of Dimes. And then I became the spokesperson for the March of Dimes. And I said, why would you, Wyland, would you be in it after me? He says, oh, I'd love to. They've never asked me. I said, well, I'm asking you on their behalf because they, they didn't have the courage to ask. And then so I raised money and then he calls us back and said, well, I raised more than you. I said, look, pal, that's the goal is that you, each year we raise more than whoever raised it before. I set a new benchmark with Melanie Griffith and then you're going to send in, he did set a new benchmark with all the artists. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. So, yeah. So, yeah. I love whoever designed your cover is, it's wonderful. And now that you even explained, you know, what it means, it's right. even more magnificent again because we literally when they said what do you want to do with the with the cover i wrote a very specific description of the colors how it needed to look and we were so excited they over delivered i mean honestly when we got it back we're like that's it and he even added more magic to it because you see the bridge going across but mm -hmm. then you see almost we like it almost looks like sacred geometry and then all of the sort of the magical that's um, what i thought of too this is sacred geometry right well, you know the, if you could put the, the structure to the universe together it's so it's it's so magical because yeah mark as mark talked about when you ask we, we talk about asking and giving when you ask for something say you're asking for riches you also need to balance that by by giving value because that's how you balance your wheel you know when 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 you're wanting things we find that people who want a lot if you're also giving a lot of value in whatever you're doing and it doesn't even necessarily have to be the same thing but you you have to be giving a lot of value to get those rewards back it really becomes pretty much like a circle of abundance and goodness that you you know we're giving and receiving beautiful and i love that just the I, as you say that, I'm seeing the picture of the flow, just the beautiful flow. It just keeps flowing and it's easy and it's with grace. It, yes. It's just beautiful. And, and actually, when I look at this cover, I yep. have an emotional um, reaction to it. Oh it almost puts me in my child. You know how sometimes you can do child work where you go back into your child and your child tells people what they wanted to say, but it almost puts me into my child's place where I'm feeling wonder and amazement and my eyes are like wide open and I'm, and I'm thinking about what am I going to see next? Like I just saw something wonderful and amazing and it's, and it's just the wonder of discovering and taking the next step and seeing what's there. It's just something very, very, magical and, and wonderful about the whole way you designed that. I just well, love, I love that you shared that with us, Kimberly, because that is what we're trying to create for everybody with the ask book. We're trying to say, go back to that childlike place where you were unashamed to ask, where you weren't afraid to ask, you know, children ask for everything. They want more and more and more. And that's called human spirit. You know, we're supposed to expand. We're supposed to want all these wonderful things. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing to be ashamed of. So we need to get comfortable with that. And when people can answer your request, it's a great blessing. We did a lot of research for this book and it shows that, you know, people are 80% more likely to answer your request or grant your request if you just ask. But we're also scared going in. And in the studies that we looked at, people going in had the opposite perception that 
oh, they'll either think I'm pushy or needy if I ask, or, or they'll think I'm, if you're asking for advice or something like that, they'll think I'm ignorant or, or stupid if I ask too many questions about what they do. Or, and, and it's just the opposite. People like to help one another, but you need to be comfortable with asking. Also in the studies, we, it's a Harvard study, that showed people who ask more questions in a setting, you know, that curiosity factor where you're sitting with someone, being curious about the person you're, you're with and getting, wanting to get to know more about them at a deeper level, using more probing questions. Those people are the ones who are more likable in the study. So your business partners are gonna like you better if you ask more questions and you have that deep curiosity. And even daters, it showed, the studies show that if you're dating, if you're that person who sits there and says, this is what I do, this is how great I am, da, 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 I've done this, I've done that, you're just talking about yourself, you're not likely to get the second date. But if you're asking a lot of questions, if you're curious and interested in that person, and then you ask more probing questions to the answers that you're getting, you're much more likely to get the second date. So it's so much about being this, this balanced, happy person. You know, That's all part of the asking journey. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And um, the thing is, people don't know what you want or need if you don't ask. Right. And um, yeah, I was actually talking to a friend today that um, they're going through a really tough time. Her husband got a brain tumor. He's 46 year old. The 46 year old got a brain tumor a few months ago, had to have surgery. Mm. And she was going through all that at the hospital and just all the stress that goes along with that. And she said, you know, usually I don't ask. But she said, I finally had to ask people for what I needed because I wasn't going to be able to do very well. And she said, I just wanted someone to text message me or check in with me or, you know, once in a while, send me a pizza. <laughs> so it, It's simple. But if we don't ask, people don't know. And people really do want to help. And I think, you know, the same thing, you know, when we're talking about God, our friends, or even asking ourselves. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and that's how we discover, Mark and I both have our own individual stories of, you know, everybody goes through these difficult times in their lives, you know, times of personal crisis. And the best way to get yourself out of that crisis is to do the first thing, start asking yourself, because that is the road to discovery. That's how you, you know, we've each been through profound experiences like that. Mm -hmm you know, that helped us. And I don't know if we have time to talk about those, but. Yeah, but we even write the chapter, be a grantor of wishes. And, and what most people don't know is that when we wrote Chicken Soup of the Soul, everyone knows we've got 144 rejections. Nobody wanted it. They didn't like Jack. No, And then finally we sold it, but the publisher said, well, it'll be a year and a half before the book comes out. You got to sell 20,000 at $6 each and then we'll distribute you. And so Jack and I had to do that, but I was working in the chiropractic marketplace at a school by you in, in um, Life, now it's called Life University, mm -hmm. and they even gave me one of my 10 honorary doctors because they like me for some reason, and I'm thankful for that. But <laughs> what, what's true that really got it was <clears throat> chiropractors had their funding pulled. The insurance was no longer going to be paid. This is uh, 1990, exactly. And so I, I went to him and I said, hey, look, the Red Cross is out of blood. So uh, in math, a negative times a negative equals a positive. They're out of blood. You guys have to have a cash practice. Let me interview the 21 best guys and ladies that make a million dollars a year in chiropractic. 
I interviewed him in, in one week's time in the first week of December, second week, I put it all together or edited because I'm pretty good at that kind of stuff. Then next year we sold $3 million or something. So I was out of money. Mm-hmm. They were out of money or not going to get paid. And so I saved a profession with 77,000 people and, and uh, 25 million patients a month. I said, and then to get the red cross, I said, look, you guys and ladies, you guys have never asked for anything. And it's not for me, but people die if we don't have blood. So, Liddy Dolo's asked me to do this. I want you to reactivate all your old patients. Just call them up and say, hey, Kim, you haven't been in in, in eight years, and we'd like to give you a free adjustment if you just let us tap a pint of blood. <laughs> we had a year and a half worth of cryogenically frozen yeah. blood. Yeah. Isn't that exciting, though? That is really exciting, and I love your creativity. I just love it. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, it comes out of asking, and everybody needs to ask themselves now, how do I reboot? How do I re-vector? How do I re-engineer myself? How do I retool? Because I'm suggesting, and I don't like the next thing I'm going to say, but over half the jobs in America are going to be gone. The only hope is they go virtual. And if you're going to go virtual, you've got to rethink it. And you know, the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's why I think now podcasting is a new TV and radio. People have got to watch great shows like yours and say, hey, wait a second. Mark and Crystal and Kimberly are telling the truth. I'm not, I I didn't like that dang job I had anyhow. It was a dopey job. Why don't I go create something wonderful, be an entrepreneur? And if if Mark's stuff really does work and you've got a whole chapter about how to build businesses and ask, you know, I'll just start asking myself because, we, we quote Socrates, who we both love, and Socrates says the unexamined life is not worth living. And you don't want to die with your symphonies in you, your books in you, your inventions in you, your thinking in you, all that love in you. Yes, and um, I was thinking, as even as we were talking earlier, that sometimes we don't ask because we don't feel like we deserve it or we don't feel good good enough. There's so many ways that comes about but you know for some reason someone doesn't feel good enough and so they don't ask themselves or even god sometimes so uh, in your book are you talking anything about that about how to kind of dig deep and just we absolutely are you know sort of reflective question um we call them the holding up the mirror questions kimberly but also it's important to spend time examining the seven roadblocks to asking because we have found that every single person has at least one of those roadblocks, or if not more. And when you can read about those, part of healing or overcoming something is just starts with awareness. You know, when you become aware, oh, you know, that's me. And we have stories around each of those areas. And so when you read somebody else's story, you can start to recognize yourself in it sometimes. And it's very healing because stories are metaphors you know, for our own lives. And a metaphor is a pattern that our brain can relate to. So very quickly, we can learn without having to go through exactly what they went through. We can see their journey through it and how they figured it out and came out of it or prevailed or, you know, triumphed. That is so valuable to each one of us. You know, the value of each other's stories. And we just have some fantastic stories in there that help people through that as well as many questions you can ask yourself. But it's really, you know, that reflective journey, asking yourself, you know, why don't I deserve better? Why, what, what am I best at? What am I passionate about? And then continuing that journey to define it. And we say there are three different areas you can ask yourself, like it's a critical sequence. It's like, 
ask yourself the questions to determine where you are now. The second part of the sequence is where you want to be. And the third part of the sequence is the actions that it will take to get there. So where, do, where am I now? You know, all of those questions and answers. Where, where do I want to be? And what actions will I need to take to get there? And that's, if you could think of that in, in a sequence, it's really an important template to consider. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and as you're talking about the stories um, in, in your books, you know, you're, you're phenomenal storytellers. Does, do you have a special story or one they'd especially like from the book that you might want to share? I think every one of them, but I will do one that sort of resonates with these times. A guy named Jim Stovall. As a kid, whole dream, whole desire, whole heart, I'm going to be an NFL player. Gets big, strong, drinks his milk, solid as a rock, gets recruited at the NFL. Goes and a doctor tests him and says, kid, I'm sorry, in six months you're going to be blind. Crushes his spirit. He's now living in a little nine by 12 room with a radio, a telephone or a television. And he's complaining and his parents say, look, Jimmy, go down to the blind people's meeting, see if they can do something. Gets down there and everybody's there's an echo chamber of negativity. He says, I don't need this, but he sits next to a lady named Kathy and, and he loved watching thriller movies and like see somebody throw a right hook. So he says, Kathy, man, I wish I, somebody would narrate that so we could see it. Now, this is a critical thing, everyone. You need to listen because this is the point. She says, wait, we're somebody. Why can't we fix it? And that's where we're at right now. Why can't we fix it? Everybody can fix it and have a real MBA, a millionaire's bank account. Mm -hmm. they, they came up with an idea, a narrative television. Now, you might not watch it because you're sighted, but 14 million people pay $10 a month for streaming TV. And then all of a sudden, he found his real talent. He started writing. And Jim wrote a book called The Ultimate Gift. I was sent to it, sent it to me. I was so wowed, even though I was selling 15 million books a year and I didn't have time to do anything. I wrote the forward and I wrote the afterward. This has got to be a movie because it is so clearly visual. Hmm. He says he'll thank me every day in the, for his life if he lives to be 100. And I'm sure he will. He's a great man. And uh, he says in our book, we interviewed him because he is just eclectic wisdom. You know, because he's lost his sight, so he spends his full time thinking. And he says, I now write books that I can't read. Wow. I'll make movies that I can't see. Wow. Isn't it a nice it's, story? It's amazing. It's a wonderful story. Yeah. And just how, you know, when you're going through that personal tragedy, if you can just look for those questions and then be courageous enough to answer the questions that come to you. When Kathy asked him, why can't we be the ones to fix this? It totally caused a pivot inside of Jim. It suddenly, he, he went from being in a really dark, depressed place to going, yeah, I can do something meaningful. And they took that on and they did it. They created it together and it was so successful. And that launched them to their next success. So when you start asking those questions and answering them with courage, it just keeps leading you across that bridge from your dreams to your destiny. And, and so questions take adversity, which all of us are in. All of us are in crisis, 8 billion. It's not like I'm not and you're not and somebody else is. All of us, 8 billion, have some level of suffering going on. We've got to take the adversity with questions and turn it into advantage, just like Jim did and, and Kathy. And, and it, look how many, if you serve one person, you're heavenly, right? The Bible says, but they serve 14 million every day in unique ways. And, and so, and then he found out all the rest of his talents. And, and what Crystal and I have discovered, 
Kim, is that when you ask, illumination comes, revelation comes, insight comes, wisdom comes. And it's my belief now that you cannot ask a right question without getting a great right answer. Meaning that when I asked, how do I go bankrupt when I was upside down and lost a $2 million business in New York, I said, oh my God, what if I go bankrupt? I had checked a book out, how to go bankrupt by yourself. Bingo, I went bankrupt. So yeah, I had, I crashed and burned and it was my worst, most awful, most tragic, painful, ugly experience. But if it hadn't happened, I wouldn't be here. So you you learn from asking, but you want to ask positive questions. Positive questions, yeah. Right. I was going to say. Yeah. I don't think I would ask that one. No. Right. So you can't ask the wrong question and get the wrong result. Yes. Well, I've so enjoyed having you on the podcast. And um, there's a question I usually ask people at the end. And maybe I might have a two-part question and maybe one of you can answer one, one can answer the other. My, my first question is, what questions should we be asking right now? And my second question, which I always ask at the end of uh, every podcast, is what to you makes an incredible, extraordinary life? Okay, I'd like to answer the first one, Kimberly. Um, what is the question we should all be asking right now? I think my favorite question in the world is one I ask to God and to myself a little bit, but I, you know, what is the best expression of me for which you made me? What is my best expression? Like in my ultimate state, if I was expressing at the very best that I could be in this life, what would that be? And I think if we all ask ourselves that, you were made, you know, like we were saying, with more talent than you'll ever possibly use. So if you could really say, at my very, very best, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. I'm going to add, I'll answer the first question first, just like her, and then give it back to her for the second question before I do it. And, and similar to hers, I'm going to give the work assignment that we've got in the book. God, what's your destiny for me? But you say it before you get to sleep, not once, not twice, but 400 times. Now it's going to permeate, penetrate, fill the inner space of your being. And that's exactly what Jack and I did to get the title of Chicken Soup. We knew we didn't have the right title. I mean, and so Jack and his home in Santa Barbara and me in Newport Beach, California at the time, 400 times. He calls me at 2.30 in the morning, wakes me up. Back then we had tethered phones. As you remember. And he said, chicken soup. I said, for the soul. And we both got goosebumps. And we knew that it was it because we knew our destiny. Mm -hmm. Can you wow. ask a second question? Oh, and what, I'm sorry. What, was <laughs> what do you make an incredible, extraordinary life? What do, what do I think makes an incredible, extraordinary life? Waking up every day with wonder and curiosity about what's next. Beautiful. Yep. And I would say, I'm going to do it A and B. A is waking up with Crystal is just <laughs> the best thing ever. Right? Yeah. I got one point, finally. <laughs> I got more than that, I expect. I, I really think it is the fulfillment of your destiny because it's a journey and it's a journey of asking because it's a progressive unfoldment. It is not instantaneous. And, and we do that every morning. We uh, do an hour of prayer and meditation together and figure out what it is that we've, we're going to accomplish today. Like we knew, you know, before the day was over, we we're going to do this wonderful podcast with you. And we just wanted it to be spectacular. And it has been. And so, you know, if you do that, you have a fulfilled, wonderful, exotic, adventurous, faithful life. 
All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for all your wisdom and for your sharing. And people can get your book on Amazon. And that, is that where we're going to go? Okay. Yep. Amazon's the best place right now, especially and right Just now. send a receipt to reception at markvictorhanson.com. And we're going to put you in the world's, we think it's going to be the world's biggest book club because <laughs> yeah. quite honestly, we've done podcasts around the world. All right. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And we'll talk thank to you. Thank you, Kimberly. It was great fun. Mm -hmm.